Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion on COVID-19 and nonprofits. And I am delighted and honored today to have two of my all-time favorites in the nonprofit and fundraising arena, Alice Ferris and Jim Anderson. And these two folks, I was sharing with them before we begin to record. And in the words of my father, he would say they're some of the good guys. They're incredible professionals, highest integrity. And if you've met them, they're also lots of fun. So you, if you don't know about uh, Goldbusters, their firm, uh, you need to. And I'm just grateful for their friendship and all they mean to our profession. So Jim is the, uh, the much younger partner in the firm. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jeff. Alice, take note. Take note. Jim transitioned into the nonprofit arena in 2005, specializing in marketing and branding strategy, multimedia production board and organizational training, and executive coaching. He's president of the AFP Northern Arizona chapter, a certified fundraising executive, uh, AFP faculty training academy graduate, should we note the best class ever, and was recognized as the 2010 AFP Northern Arizona Fundraising Professional of the Year. (laughs) Alice uh, has over 30 years of fundraising experience, including uh, serving as council director of development at KAWC Colorado River Public Media and Border Radio in Yuma, Arizona. She's a CFRE and Advanced Certified Fundraising Executive. She was recognized as the 21st recipient of the AFP Founders Medallion, recognizing extraordinary service to the sector, and is also an AFP Master Trainer uh, Teacher. And of course, if you have been engaged in any AFP uh, conferences of late, she is not only a host and MC uh, stellar for PBS, but uh, now for AFP. And, and we just appreciate what you both do uh, for our profession and, and mean to our profession. So thank you. And looking thank forward you, to this too. conversation. And I know uh, before the pandemic, there were no uh, two leaders who were more traveled and uh, certainly have a pulse of what's happening. So what have you been seeing in regards to nonprofits and fundraisings of the pandemic? Well, it's true. And again, thanks, Jeff, for the very generous introduction. We have been historically on the road for the majority of the year. So as Jim likes to point out, I was on the road about 220 days a year. He did about 180, 185. And that all came to a screeching halt, as you can probably imagine. But strangely enough, I feel like we have continued to be really connected with international audiences and even more so during the pandemic with everyone embracing the use of the technology. And the common theme that I'm seeing across global charitable sectors is this idea of you're saying no for people if you're blaming the pandemic. And so one of my soapboxes that became a pretty big soapbox for me this year was this idea of if your mission was important before the pandemic, your mission is important now. And only those who are saying, oh, you know, it's been so hard. The pandemic has been so difficult and we need this because we haven't been able to get this. It's like, you are whining 
So stop it. You need to really focus on the impact that you are continuing to make in the community, the impact you're continuing to make in spite of the conditions that you're in. And those that have been able to thrive in these conditions are those that have been taking their mission incredibly seriously and really charging forward in spite of all of the conditions around them. Yeah, Alice, I'd uh, build a little bit on that, but because in my opinion, when you hear somebody that says, you know, we're fundraisers, but we really shouldn't be fundraising right now, you know, because of the COVID. I think that there's probably three possible reasons for that. One, you are a deeply empathetic person and you care about your donors and you are concerned that they may not be able to make a contribution. And if that is the case, that is noble, but your direction is misguided because you should never say no for someone. That is something that I've been teaching. I've taught salespeople for decades before I met, well, at least a decade and a half before I met Alice. Never say no for someone because the pandemic is not affecting everyone equally. And a lot of your highest wealth donors are making bank. They have more money than they ever had before. And they are feeling somewhat a little guilty, some of them. Others are just purely philanthropic and want to do the right thing. But others are like, hey, I got all this excess cash. There's people really hurting out there. I should give more. So if you're that person who's trying to be empathetic, be careful because you might be doing your organization and therefore your constituents, the people you serve, a disservice. But then I said that there were three possible options as to what this might be about. The other two are the other two could be that you're afraid. You know what? There's a lot to be afraid of. There is. But you don't need to be afraid because you're not alone in this. You've got great people. The organization you're working on may be suffering new challenges, but it doesn't change who you are. It shouldn't change the culture of your organization. You just have new thing, a new way that you have to approach things. And I'll touch on that a bit more in just a second. But the third reason that you might be doing that or might be saying that you shouldn't fundraise is because you're simply lazy. Okay, this is an excuse. You are making an excuse to take it easy, because if you think about it, even in this situation, when so many of us have to work from home, there are certain people that are thriving in this environment. There are other people that are taking advantage of it. So are you empathetic? Are you fearful or are you lazy? Because only one of those is really acceptable. And I said that I'd touch on that. um, The Alice mentioned this word earlier. She said conditions. That's really an important thing to think about as you're facing this world of the pandemic. Because ultimately, throughout your life, every day, you face situations that are either a problem or they are a condition. Now, it's easy to think about the two. I mean, a problem is something that you can solve, you can resolve, you can fix. And a condition You cannot solve, resolve, or fix. You have to manage, you have to adapt to, or you have to accept. So you know what? COVID ain't a problem for the most part. It's a condition. How are you going to manage it? How are you going to adapt to it? And what new things must you accept? But along the way, there are problems that you'll face that you can solve and resolve and fix, but you might just have to do it in a little different way than you did before the pandemic. I love it. Great, great advice. And you always have that positive perspective. I was talking with a longtime CEO the other day and who was very impressive. And he reminded me, and I did not know, he told me that he had always been insecure in his role. And uh, I think when you mentioned about afraid to ask and in our, in our profession, even that resonated because, you know, some of us have those, um, as you shared, situations that can be overcome. So, Thank you for your for your insight. Now the pandemic, of course, is and and you mentioned is an unequal 
in terms of impact on, on, on folks, especially economically. And, and of course, has impacted uh, nonprofits in different ways across the spectrum. So what are some of the lessons that you've seen that all nonprofits can take away uh, from the pandemic? I think one of the things that I've noticed is that at the beginning, when people were really first coming to grips with how this was not going to necessarily be a, a thing to brush off, this was a serious thing and it was going to completely impact all of us in ways that we never thought imaginable. The organizations that I saw, the nonprofit organizations that I saw that now in retrospect, I should have known would be the ones that would thrive during all of this were the ones that reacted quickly and proactively. So for example, one of our favorite examples has been Lowell Observatory, which is based here in Flagstaff. And strangely enough, Jim and I are both based in Flagstaff, Arizona. But up until this year, we had very few clients that were actually in Flagstaff because you know the old adage for being consultant, you have to be 50 miles away from home to be an expert. So we didn't really have any clients in Flagstaff for the longest time, but Lowell Observatory has been a client for several years and we're helping direct a capital campaign for them. And what happened with them, and it could be because they're a science institution, was that two weeks, a full two weeks prior to the Arizona governor's executive order for the stay-at-home order, two weeks before that happened, Lowell Observatory completely shut down. They shut down all of their public access. They shut down all of their research facilities. They sent all of their staff home to work remotely. And it was, they assessed a risk very early on. And then they said, the only way that we can prevent this from getting out of hand is for us to do what other countries have done, what other states have done, and shut things down before we're told to shut things down. And they were incredibly nimble in changing the way that they did business. And it's not like they changed their mission. It's not like they changed their focus. But several things that had been on the back burner, like amping up their online education presence, got immediately pushed onto that power burner in the front because it was the, okay, we really have to amp this up and we really have to speed it up. The other thing related to fundraising, however, to get back to your question, the fundraising piece that was, oh my gosh, they did the right thing, was the level of transparency they immediately communicated to their donors. They did not shy away from connecting to their donors. They didn't shy away from telling them, hey, look, this is kind of messed up and we had to shut down our entire public program that should have been having one of its largest revenue months of the year because of spring break. So we just wanted to let you know that's happening. And there was not an ask in this letter, but it came from the executive director. It came from a place of the heart. He talked about walking through an empty parking lot on the day he shut down the observatory and getting emotional about the fact that he had made this decision that none of his predecessors in 125 years had ever had to do. And so he was open, he was honest, he was transparent, he communicated quickly, and he responded quickly. And they had their biggest spring appeal ever. And it wasn't an appeal. It was people sending in money in response to that letter. So what I saw was that early on in the process, and the thing that several organizations now in retrospect had in common were the ones that came out in front of this and responded quickly and were willing to connect with their donors are the ones that have come out the other side so far relatively healthy. The ones that are struggling right now are the ones that 
did the ostrich thing and put their head in the sand and said, there's nothing going on here, nothing to see here, just move on. And, and those are the ones that are really having a tough time right now. Yeah, I think I would, uh, you mentioned that Alice and I have served or served KAWC, Colorado River Public Media, um, originates in Yuma, serves most of the Western half of the state, celebrated its 50th year this year. And there are a lot of things that that we've done with that station, but we could only do it because of the faith of the of the general manager, which in most nonprofits would be your executive director, in the faith and trust that we had and in the culture that we've built there and the team that we had. Because, you know, we've suffered the same thing. We can't be on campus. How We're an essential service. You can't shut down a, a radio station, a public radio station in particular, that provides a public service and emergency information. So we had to reduce our staff to one, maybe two people. Handy, one person hands the baton to the next person as they leave the station. Everything else had to be modified and done from home. And much to Alice's point, there were so many things about remote recording and remote submission of stories and things like that, that we had said we were going to do for a decade. And you never get around to it because it was so busy. So those organizations that say, hey, you know all that stuff that we said that we were going to do, that if we would have done, it would have been perfect right now. Why don't we start learning how to do it now? And then we'll carry forward and come through on the other side. But back to the KAWC thing, we had a situation where we had five people that could go to the station, not at the same time. And one of them contracted COVID. And because one of them contracted COVID, everybody had to quarantine because you don't know who's got it. And so we ended up having what, Alice? Was it how many tested positive? Ultimately? Four of them tested positive. Four out of the five tested positive. So I help handle the social media for that organization. And I decided, you know what? Let's be transparent about this. Let's be human about this. And I put out social media posts with our logo with a, um, um, a mask on it. Okay. Our logo is wearing a mask and the headline was COVID hits home. And Alice, what happened for KAWC once that came out? We saw some interesting contributions as well. Yeah. And we ended up sending an e-blast as well with that same messaging saying, we want to be completely transparent. Here's what's happening. And we wrote it from the voice of, like Jim said, a human. And we got an outpouring of support from, from that situation of the, we've been so reliant on you. Thank you so much for going in, in spite of everything going on. And we really appreciate you. Here's a contribution. We didn't ask for a gift, similar to Lowell. We didn't ask necessarily, will you make a donation? But people appreciated the fact that we're part of their quarantine bubble, so to speak. And being able to have that connection and be able to feel like they are empowered to do something by helping someone. And I think that's one of those things that we discovered. Jim says there are good things from the pandemic, bad things from the pandemic. The good things about the pandemic is that people have been much more in tune to what causes they want to support and what causes are important to them. And those causes that are important to them, they have been supporting with far more zeal and passion than they were previously. Absolutely. And I think back to that that personal communication. You know, we talk to them on air, obviously. They know who many of the people that are there. But we also post photos of the team and, and do that on social and in other communications so that people get to know who you are. Because people want to give to people that are doing good work. It's you got to have a lot of faith to give anonymously to an organization. You just trust that they will. And you, you develop a relationship with them first. But one of, the, one of the things that I think really worked for us was a unique way that we were um, sending communications to people. We were in the middle 
of a pledge drive the day the governor shut down the state. And what we said at that time and what we have repeated in all of our messaging is when we're asking, we open up with, you know, if this is a are, are not open with, but we blend into the message that if you are somebody who is suffering hardships due to these current conditions or other conditions, or if you are somebody who are uncertain about your future, please do not give to us. Make sure you take care of yourself and your family first. We will be here for you regardless of whether or not you give. But if you are somebody who can give, now might be a good time to consider giving a little more for those who can't. Maybe you're somebody who could increase your contribution, or maybe you're somebody who could help provide that gift to support um, one or more of the neighbors that you have who can't right now. Great. Thank you. Great, great insight. And then a final question. What advice would you give to nonprofits as we look to a, a new year, still some uncertainty and uh, hopefully a bit more hope. I mean, I think that it's always a challenge to be part of a nonprofit cause, right? I mean, this year has been unusually challenging. That's true. And I think that I think that in nonprofit organizations that we over-index in optimists. So we do have a tendency to think that everything's going to be just way better in the future. And and we have this bias, this confirmation bias of the things will be better, okay? Things will get better. I, I will admit that even I have had those moments of being just really defeated, uh, of the, will this ever end? Things are very different. I feel like I've gone through all of Kubler-Ross's stages of grief on my lifestyle and, and travel and all of these other things. But the thing that I realize is that the human connection and the ability to help another human being is has become more powerful than ever. And the main thing that we need to remember is that we need to deal, I think the common theme in all of our stories that we've shared so far have been, how can you be more human with the people that you're dealing with? And so if anything, I hope that this pandemic has encouraged nonprofit organizations to drop the corporate speak and drop the, here's our official brand voice. It's like, no, people want to know that you're human. And in fact, Jim and I led a book study for our team, for the Goldbusters team, on a book that has become my one of my favorite books, which is Marketing Rebellion by Mark Schaefer. And the subtitle of Marketing Rebellion is The Most Human Company Wins. And so what I'm hoping nonprofits have learned from 2020 that they will take into 2021 is the most human organization wins. And so how can you be human with your donors? And I think something to, um, I mentioned this earlier in our conversation, that there are certain things that are good and there are certain things that are bad about these circumstances. But think about it, not just about the circumstances that you're currently dealing with, but about your own organization. Okay, Who were you before you went into this? Who were you as a person? Who were you as a member of your organization? Who are you as a member of the team that you work with in that organization? And who is your organization as a whole? What are some of the things that you entered this process with that you have learned you do not need to cling to, that it is time to let those things go? Is it programs? Is it policies? Is it procedures? Is it rules like, oh, you must do a 40-hour work week and you should be at your desk from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m.? We've learned during the pandemic that that doesn't work. If you're home and you're looking after kids, you might do your work at 1 a.m. 
but you're still getting your job done. So think about those things that were the rules and the norms that you used to live by. Do they still apply? And then ask yourself, what have we learned? How have we improved? And how can we build on that? You know how they talk about having hybrid meetings now. Some people are in person, some people are, are remote. Well, think about your hybrid future, your hybrid future, that hybrid future where you carry forward those things that worked for you and continue to work in the new world. And those things that you have, um, and those things that you have learned during this process that you will incorporate in that and, um, and leave that baggage behind. Awesome. I always learn from the two of you and I'm always uplifted. So Allison, Jim, thank you so much. And for our listeners, be sure to keep up uh, with Alice by following her on Twitter at Alice Ferris and Jim at Goldbusters Jim. And be sure and check out their website, goldbusters.net. Again, Jeff Jowdy here, thanking you for listening to the Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to the Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.